Today on the podcast, I have a very special guest, Justin Sapp. Justin is a dad, husband, and author. He speaks at churches, conferences, and schools around the country about the power of storytelling as a means of healing and progress. We have a great conversation about what it's like to be in an interracial marriage. Stay tuned. Just be honest, 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 just be real, just be true, it's the only way to be free. Just be honest, it's the only way to be Just be real, just be true, it's the only way to be just be honest. So, Justin, can you tell me just a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate your patience. I know these last last month or so has been extremely busy, so I'm just excited to talk with you, especially with all the exciting things that you have going on in your own personal life. It's an honor to be in dialogue with you, and so thank you for having me on. Um, a bit about myself. Uh, let's see, where can I start? So I'm a husband. I've been married to my wife for about four years. Um, my name is Athley, a wonderful, wonderful woman, and I have a son who will be a, a year old in August, and his name is Harrison, and he is just giving me a lot of joy in my life right now. Um, who I am, you know, I am a Christian. Um, I really, really enjoy being a Christian, and I think now is a great time to be a Christian. I get more and more excited. Um, I think thankful for my faith um, and all the nuances that that involves every year. Um, and so that, that brings my life a lot of joy and purpose. And so I get to be a, a storyteller. So I work full time um, as a creative director and I do a lot of film, um, stage design, set design, uh, sometimes graphic design, but kind of all under the umbrella of storytelling. Um, and using those stories to hopefully inspire someone and change someone's life. I'm also a writer um, and an author. And yeah, I just enjoy doing things that hopefully make people feel better. So that's a little bit about myself. I think it's so great uh, that you're so passionate about storytelling. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I connect with and vibe with a lot of just who you are and how you show up in the world because, you know, even in the context of the way that you use social media, the way that you communicate with other people, you, you're you just such a, I would say, I, I feel like I've been overusing this word, but really it's just because I have so many people in my life that are prolific um, in communication, um, you know, so it's, I'm honored to have you on today as well. And I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your relationship and I have the privilege of knowing your incredible wife and you know even in the context of your Christianity as you know you you mentioned you are a very proud Christian when you were in the process of you know thinking through what you wanted to look your life to look like and how you wanted to kind of design your life how did your Christian faith play into your ideas about marriage and relationship? Wow, what a great question. It, it played every uh, role, I think, in marriage, healthy and non-healthy. Um, 
I can start with <laughs> the unhealthy traits. I think, you know, coming from, uh, I'm 34 years old, so I come from a, a purity uh, type generation in terms of the white evangelical mega church and pseudo mega church. So on Sundays, I went to black church and on during the week, I went to white church um, at, at a youth group. And so the purity movement was very heavy amongst white evangelicals. And so with that comes a heavy influence on praying for and thinking for and dreaming about your spouse. And so I spent a lot of time doing that. And uh, it, it was interesting um, to, to see my life now and to look back um, and how different, completely different those, those things are. Because at the time, there were, you know, th those dreams and uh, prayers, it was so convoluted and distorted uh, by patriarchal, you, you know, visions uh, of manhood um and patriarchal visions of, of womanhood that are just so far from being accurate and so i spent a lot of time thinking about those things but after i got married i'm like man those are so different i mean if you know my wife um she is so strong-willed uh she is so driven um, she has a lot of masculine traits um, she's an enneagram eight and i'm an enneagram four and so i kind of possess a lot of feminine traits along with masculine and and, you know, we, we are totally kind of redesigning and figuring out what it looks like um, to be man and woman in, in our relationship. So, yeah, so, you know, the Christian values, it really inspired me a lot because I do believe in, in the family and the union of the family and, and marriage and how cool and, uh, and sacred it is and, and beautiful. Um, but uh, also at the same time, creating new patterns and and. Um, look, looking at what it looks like to be together in 2020 as a Christian couple. You know, I'm also an eight on the Enneagram. And, you know, I think Ashley and I have a lot in common, but I also think that we approach our eightness in very different spaces or in different ways, which just makes sense based on, you know, where we grew up and race. And there are a lot of different considerations, even for myself being black as an eight, I have to think through, you know, my nature of wanting to challenge and making sure I'm not an angry black woman where I find a lot of white female aides don't have to think through some of those considerations. And, and in the ways I guess that she shows up, you know, with our challenging personality. And of course, for people that don't understand aides on the Enneagram, a lot of the challenging, it, it doesn't come from a place of like wanting to stir up conflict. It really comes from a place of not wanting to be misunderstood, but also wanting to fully understand other people. Like they're, it's a double-edged sword. Like if I'm asking you a question, it doesn't mean I'm trying to prove you wrong. I want to understand you. And if I'm expanding on my point, it's because I want to be understood. Uh, so with having those types of traits as like, you know, the female and then you being the male in the relationship. And obviously, you know, the Christian church has a lot of ideas about leadership and men leading and women taking a more, you know, submissive role or submitting to your husband. How does that word, you know, submission work in your relationship or do you submit to it at all? Another great question. <laughs> Such a good question. Uh, so the word submit is not relevant in our relationship. Um, we both try really hard to submit to God in terms of what we feel 
he's calling us individually to in our own lives and to challenge that um, within each other and to really just be faithful and obedient. You know, living out a life of purpose is one of the, the things that we fell in love on. And I believe in it so strongly that when people are operating in the purpose, the world is a better place. Um, I really think that's the key in so many ways that if you can find your your gifting and that aligns with um, you know the things that make you angry and you want to go out and fix those problems, it's like, man, uh, we can heal this world with more people doing that. Uh, but in terms of you know the conversation around submission, as it looks like in our own relationship, I think the language that we really try to use is uh, team-based language. So I was an athlete in high school and college. And so I, I, you know, I probably annoy her when I do this, but it, it's something that just works for us. And so, you know, we find ourselves on the opposite side of a conversation or the opposite side of an issue. We, we have to stop, you know, we don't always do a really good job at this, but we try to stop and just really say, Hey, I'm on your team. You're on my team. I want you to win, you know, and I want to support you in, in, in winning. And so, um, that's kind of what submission looks like for us. It's about kind of uh, submitting to the team, you know, not not necessarily to a person, but to the team in general. Uh, that's that's so nice to hear you say that, just even coming from a man. Have you had pushback or have you had conversations with other men who have, you know, told you that, you know, that's not what marriage is or you're the man, you're the head of your house, you're your wife should be submitting to you? Yes. And I can count the ones on my hand and most of them are divorced. Um, and most of them are not very happy. Um, I think, uh, I do believe in leadership structures. Um, and, and so I think that people can lead out based on their personalities in different ways. Um, I lead out in most of our, our family dynamics and the things we do to cultivate like family culture. Um, athlete leads out in ways of organization and um, implementing structures. And so we both lead, uh, you know, we really do co-lead and, and I, and I wouldn't want to change that because athlete is a purebred le like leader, like, that is that is her DNA, um, and I want to see her flourish in that. Um, I'm a leader, but I do it in a different way. And so, um, yeah, I think thankfully more and more men are leaving those narratives behind, and hopefully they stay there. I can give you an amen to that. <laughs> um, so, you know, in addition to obviously having the gender considerations in your marriage, you guys are also dealing with racial considerations because you are, or I think, identify as a black man and she identifies as a white woman. When you were, you know, back in your Christian dreaming of your spouse days, were you the type of person that like had a type? Did you envision what your future wife was going to look like? And if so, does athlete match, you know, what you had in your head about who your wife would be? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, no, she did not match. And I had a vision of a woman of color for sure. 
black or brown. Uh, my first girlfriend was Mexican. My second girlfriend was half black, half Mexican. And so I just kind of figured, and um, that's just where I saw my life going. I went to an all white high school and the crowd there was just not a crowd that I just, I just could ever find myself connecting with ever, you know, just, it was just such a, such a, a vast distance, you know, for connection to connect with this group. And, um, and not, not just because of the, the race, but it was just the, the culture was just so unique, um, a, a hyper uh, conservative, non-Christian culture. Um, really, really interesting to try and pierce those, those circles. Um, and so Athlete was actually a part of those circles. Um, I, I knew she was always an oddball out, especially that's what she's told me now. Um, but man, if you would have told me that I would have been married to a, a cheerleader from the school that I went to in high school, I, I mean, I just never, ever would have believed you. And then if you would have told me that I was going to be married to a white blonde, uh, girl with South African heritage, um, who had this strong, um, boisterous personality, I, I mean, I just, I just wouldn't have believed you. I, I was, you know, I was intending on marrying um, a more, not a more, but a, a, uh, uh, let's see, a woman who would probably be defined by her nurturing and, and um, would, would more so, you know, have a sort of Christian general um, nurturing uh, presentation about her. And that didn't happen. And so I ended up meeting and connecting with Athlete and we became best friends. Um, and through that, we realized that we didn't want to spend our time apart from each other. And we actually, we fell in love um, by becoming best friends. And so uh, it totally flipped, you know, every single ideal and preference on its head, you know, this marriage. And it still does every single day. It's still a, a challenge and a journey. Thank you for sharing that, Vert. Uh, you know, so honestly, and I think we spend so much time talking about making our lists and knowing what we want in a spouse. And it can be so damaging for our relationships because when we get so connected to the idea, we're not open to the person. And I think even, you know, even for myself, having to like break through a lot of old narratives, like growing up in the South and believing that men were supposed to play sports and be really manly. And if it wasn't, if you weren't that, then you weren't a man. And if you weren't that, then you probably weren't straight. Like I didn't really have examples of like artsy men. I didn't really have any four men in my life. So coming out to Los Angeles and I was meeting all these men that were like musicians and, you know, poets and everything in between. I was like, wow, there are a lot of gay men here. And that was just what my narrative was until, you know, God really was challenging me even to think through some of my narratives about what gender, what type of role gender was supposed to play and uh, in, you know, people's personalities. And to your point, like, I, I do think it's helpful to have, uh, you know, words like masculine and feminine traits. And I don't necessarily think that that means, you know, if you if you have more masculine traits as a woman, you're a little woman. 
So it's really cool to hear you talk about that in your marriage. And, you know, I want to ask too, just from the interracial dating point, when you all started dating, was it hard for you to, you know, to, you talked about like your ideas kind of being flipped on their head. Was it hard for you to get past not being with a black or brown woman and to consider like, wow, I could be creating legacy where they weren't as black as I thought they were going to be, or they weren't as brown as I thought they would be. Yes. Uh, it, you know, can you, Carrie, can you expand on that just a little bit in, in, in terms of the last thing you said in terms of black as I thought I'd be or brown as I thought I'd be? I think when we, when we're thinking about our future spouse and our future children, we have ideals uh, ideals and ideas about what they're going to look like about culturally what our life is going to look like and when we pick people who don't match that in addition to the person being different it changes and rightfully so you know our vision for our life and our family and our legacy so you know you have a beautiful beautiful mixed baby boy and this beautiful white wife was, is that hard for you to accept or did, how does it c come into play when you're thinking about your own blackness and the vision that you had for your life? Such a great question. Uh, it does uh, affect me and it, and it is, it is a challenge. Um, there is a lot of, Well, there could be a lot of shame if I let it, um, but I think that shame would be, um, it just wouldn't be authentic to, to what actually happened, meaning that we actually fell in love with each other, you know? And I think, um, you know, sometimes if we're in LA and we're going to the mall or, and I see, you know, I'm getting the look by the black woman, you know, and, and, and I know the look it's, it's sellout, you know, I can't, you know, th there goes another one. And I want so bad to be like, man, you don't know me. Like you have no idea how, how, uh, how proud I am of being black and how and I'm proud of my heritage. I'm proud of so many things, you know, in relation to my blackness, but you see me with someone who has blonde hair. And so you're able to make a, a snap judgment and, I understand I took on that and I, and I get it. Um, and I, frankly, a lot of that criticism justified because um, I don't know if I can say that for everyone in, in the same situation who's in an interracial or interracial relationship, but I do um, carry with me uh, the complexities of looking right now in my office, I'm looking at a photo I have and it's my great, great, great grandmother and she's a slave. And so I see her every day and I talk to her and I have conversations with her and I try to listen to her. I try to take her with me. And at the same time, uh, a year ago, after and I we took a trip to England to visit one of her relatives. She has a, a pretty interesting story with her grandpa um, in the World War II went to South Africa. He had a brother that went to Costa Rica. He had a brother that went to um, Australia, but he all, he had a sister who stayed in England, and so I we went to go visit her, and we were talking to her, and we were seeing photos from 
400 you know years ago 450 years ago and we're seeing the homes and the decadence and the full families and you see how the wealth is passed down from generation to generation to generation and how someone uh you know completely foibles all of it and then they can start over from from zero and the wealth is passed over from generation to generation and so i'm thinking man here i am <laughs> and and i'm looking at my son i'm like one day i'm gonna have to explain to him the space in between my great great grandmother and her grandfather and, and, and the legacies in between and how how vastly different they are um and how complex they are but my hope is that they'll be so beautiful in their nuances and complexities that it'll send my son on some journeys to find out that he has incredible people on both sides of his lineage. Thank you for sharing that story. That's, I love the way that you said that the, the space in between your ancestors and her ancestors and finding beauty in the complex in the complexity of that, because I, I it is complex. It's not an easy conversation to have. And in my experience, a lot of times when we talk about interracial relationship, uh, we very quickly jump to like, well, love is love. And yes, that is true. Love is love. And you know, I personally, I more I highly value love over any other trait. So no matter who you look like or whatever is going on with you, if I love you and I'm down for you, then I love you and I'm down for you. But I, I do know that there are a lot of black and white people who feel very differently about mixing races. A lot of white, white fear comes from, you know, blackening and therefore devaluing the family line. And a lot of black fear comes from bringing people into your family that don't look like you and what it says about how you feel about your own blackness and the, you know, people of your own race and, you know, black women will be like, well, you have a black mama. Is your black mama not attractive to you? Um, so there is a lot of hurt and complexity around, you know, just the conversation. And it is important to try to find or remember the beauty in love and connection past our racial identities. So for Athelie's family, you coming in as a black man, did you feel comfortable and welcomed or, you know, or do you feel like you're having to walk on eggshells a little bit in conversation around them? Or do you feel like you can kind of just show up as your full self? Excellent. I, I, uh, am getting there. We've been together for almost eight years. And I think you don't, you don't fully understand because you have, you know, you obviously grew up with white friends and, um, and, you know, and I think, and I mean this in all love and respect, you know, you, you have Filipino friends, you know, Latino friends, Asian friends, <laughs> friends across the board um ethnically and and you know based on what country they're from but there's something different about um about whiteness and and, and not because it, it's bad or or something like that but it's just it's just so uniquely different in in the things that they do like some low-hanging fruit stuff where it's like you go to dinner and at my house uh if you're having food on a Saturday morning at 12 and you've got more than five or six people over like there will be music playing because it's, it's part of the experience. It's, it's like someone else in the room, you know? Um, 
but you go to a white barbecue and it's quiet and i'm like wait like don't they know it's quiet like why are they don't have like there's not any music like did someone forget like and you realize like oh this is this is just not a cultural norm and so there are there are differences across the board there are differences in how we see god there are differences in how we uh view struggle which is a huge difference um in you know in in african-american uh roots i mean humor is so deeply tied to our relationship with suffering um music is so deeply tied to our relationship with suffering and how we view hardship um compared to our white counterparts that it, it's not it's not always that same way um and so i'm always having to navigate those waters and and how to change them and, and understand with them and, and and deal with them the coolest part though uh because the answer to your first question is like no i've, I've not always felt welcomed um and and definitely not to be my full self uh, but the cool part is that athlete, and this is what is, this is our saving grace without this component, none of it would work. And I don't think any interrelation, inter, inter, interracial relationship would ever work without this component. And I think without the person of, of the most, um, privileged or perceived privilege, making space, uh, for me to be my, me myself, um, asking questions. Hey, I heard my uncle said that. Did that bother you? Um, hey, um, I know this dinner was weird, but I, you know, I, I'm noticing you and I'm thinking about you. And I just want to make sure you're good. You know, ten times out of ten, I'm good. But just the fact that she thinks to ask those things, that's what puts me at ease. And I tell her, I said, "Babe, I don't care if if we're walking into a dynamic where I'm hearing, you know, slur after slur." I, if we're on the same page and I know you got my back, like I'm good. Um, granted, uh, I think, you know, I'm still wrestling with some things, even in my own childhood of like how I seem to find myself in those situations a lot. And I kind of think it's my role sometimes to like carry that weight and be the guy who, you know, champions and tries to fill that gap um, and try to, you know, bring reconciliation in those areas. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to say is it's definitely harder to be in, in a interracial relationship. It is, you know, it is definitely harder. Um, um, so I just, but that doesn't make it, uh, better or, or worse. It's just, it is more challenging and there's, there's really no way around that. It's a constant process of work and getting through things that are very challenging together. A, a marriage is a partnership and how can you be partnered with someone that you don't feel like has your back and it's really that idea that you know like whoever can come at me and we're gonna get through this and you know it's funny my brother is actually married to a white woman and he more he didn't really have a type I would say growing up he is very open and about you know, finding all different types of women attractive for better or worse. But he he always tended to date white girls. And my friends, especially my black friends, would always ask me about that. How does it make you feel that your black brother always chooses white women? Do you think that he thinks that white women are better than us? Do you think that he thinks that they're like a symbol of this success that once you get to a certain level, like get you a white girl? 
And having known my brother my entire life or his entire life, I'm older, I can honestly say that because of who he is and the ways in which he shows up in the world and the ways in which, you know, he likes to spend his time, he tends to have more in common with a lot of white women than he does with a with a lot of black women. And I don't, I can't speak for him. I don't believe it has anything to do with, you know, not embracing fully his blackness. People, you know, might feel very differently, obviously. And um, maybe I'm biased because I'm his sister, but I also feel like I'm his eight sister. So I'm very quick to tell him how I feel about things. And I think sometimes it's unfair for people to characterize his blackness because of who he chose to marry. Um, So, you know, bringing that back to you and to your situation, do you, have you had conversations or hard hard conversations specifically with black women who might feel offended or slighted by your choice to marry a white woman? Unfortunately, I was never able to get to the conversation part. You know, all the black women who know me, my mom, my sister, uh, and my dear friends, um, that's never been an issue because they know me, you know, they, they know my heart. They've seen my patterns. They know my background. I think it's, I've had situations where, um, it's been like a friend of a friend. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, the racist comments come from them and to the effect of, oh, he hates himself and that's why he's with athlete or, um, you know, even even what you're saying, you know, his his mom's black. Why why wouldn't he date or marry someone that looked like his mom? And so, uh, and that that's that's also what what kind of fuels the fire of making it challenging because, man, you know, you're getting it from every angle. Athlete and I walk into a restaurant and I see um, the white faces that are looking at us, you know, and they may smile and put their head down, but I I know what they're thinking, and and I we may go you know, to Westfield and Culver City or something. And I, and I see, you know, what the black women are, are, are the looks on their faces as they're looking at me. And so, you, I ha, you know, I take a lot. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, it is challenging. Uh, but you hope that, actually, I don't necessarily hope. I think the saving grace is just the fact that pe- the people who know me know me. And it's really easy to, you know, to make a snap judgment for someone you've never met before. And it's interesting that you say that because even me feeling how I feel and being able to process through that, I still have, I'm sure, been the person who looks at the interracial couple and has a moment of judgment. And it obviously and honestly has nothing to do with the couple because most of the time when I, when I catch myself doing it, I don't know the couple. I don't know anything about either of them. It's, you know, I'm seeing them and what I'm sometimes reminded of is my experience with black men who have said hurtful things or, you know, just this idea that like, the whiter you are, the more beautiful. And even as a black woman, it's like the lighter your skin is, the softer your curls are, the straighter your nose is, the more beautiful you are. And if if whiter is better, then white is like the ultimate right. And so sometimes when I catch myself having that moment, it really just is a reflection of like my own trauma. 
and mm. having to, you know, be, but being able to name that and own it and not project that onto a couple that I don't know, because it's very easy to do that. If you've ever been, you know, in a relationship or just even a friendship or had a conversation with a black man who made you feel like because you're less white, you're not as desirable. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Kiara. Um, and by the way, I do it too. Like I'll, I'll see a a black guy and a white girl, and the the first thoughts in my head are not usually gracious, you know. And that's probably coming out of my own insecurity sometimes. And I think Athlete will even do it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes she'll tell me she'll be like, "Oh man, like you know." So she'll 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 make comments as well, and so. Um, I think that's the uh, that's this messy work of of love. You know, it's this messy work of being human. Um, it's the messy work of being brave, um, and it's it's just elements that are unfortunate, but they're worth it. Um, yeah, we. I mean, as we're seeing with like COVID and everything happening in the world, it's like we are so not in control of what is down the road for us in so many ways I, you know i definitely believe in investment and i know you share that you know being so passionate about business and making good decisions that will give you a good future but for me i think those those decisions really come in your own personal life and making those investments in your own personal life but man when it comes to outside circumstances and who comes into your life and who you're going to fall in love with and who you're going to choose to be with those things are so out of our control and then we're just kind of greeted with this option of, do I want to do the work for this or no? And based on who you choose to be with, um, you know, you get to choose if you want to do that work or not. That's so true. And I, I want to touch on to maybe the perceived white perspective and you know, I'm not white and you're not white. So maybe I need to get a white person on my podcast to talk about that. But I do, I I have actually a few white girlfriends who talk about how they would only date black men or, you know, they're only interested in men of color or they don't date white men. And there's a part of me that's like, yeah, you, you recognize the beauty in blackness. But then there's the other part of me that's like, this feels a little bit like a fetish um, and like trying to figure out like how I feel about that. Um, so, you know, from athletes perspective and, you know, I, I, maybe you guys have talked about this, maybe you haven't, but was she, did you feel like she was the type of woman who was looking for a black person or do, do you feel like she was looking for someone and then just happened to find you? That's a great question. I hope you keep going there on that stuff because no one really talks about these things. And so I, I am not uh, discriminatory in my judgment um, in those inter, what can I say, interracial dynamics. You know, I, I sometimes find myself judging the black guy and also the white girl, and because the stereotype is, oh, she dates black guys, she wants the culture. Um, she wants the sex. She wants the the dynamics of feeling rugged and feeling, um, you know, like she's doing something bad. But yet she supports nothing having to do with uh, justice or 
progress uh, or support of a race in its entirety. And so what's interesting, I think, about Athy is that she dated, she dated pretty much exclusively white men, um, may, maybe with the maybe uh, a Latino in there somewhere, but uh, it was exclusive to white men. So she is not um, someone who found herself in that camp. And I was definitely very aware of that and wanted to be aware of that. And that, that just wasn't the case um, for, for either of us. And that's why it's, it's even more frustrating when people put us into a stereotype. I just want to be like, dude, like we're like, we're kind of like the weird anti-stereotype. Like athletes literally from South Africa. Like she's, she's from like the place on earth, like where racism was perfected where it's like she, I would be the absolute last person that she would historically find herself with. And for me, you know, telling you a little bit about my background of, you know, I just could, could never have imagined or nor seen myself uh, marrying a white woman. So it's like the fact that we're together is just, it's almost kind of like a joke um, because she's so passionate about minority issues and it's just, I don't know, man, it's just, it's, it's tough and complex. Um, but somehow we ended up together. No, that's, it's so great to hear your perspective too. And to just make it human and make it personal because a lot of these conversations and debates that I, pe that people have are very theoretical and every now and then people will know someone or throw somebody in. Like I know someone who's dating a X insert race and this like I heard this one time or I was listening to Steve Harvey show but for the most part it's not human like we're not making it human uh, so to just hear a very human narrative about two people who love each other and are making it work and what that really looks like outside of the theoretical ideas about why we choose who we choose. And I mean, we can't ever really, really know how we feel outside of society's influence. I read that we're, we are inundated with like what, 3000 messages a day from marketing, like about what we should like and what we should listen to and how should we look and just, you know, all the different messages that we're getting from marketing and to take ourselves out of that and pretend like it doesn't affect our opinions and preferences, I think would be silly. But that being said, I think that we definitely can pay attention to what's really going on. Um, and inside when we're having these types of conversations and not being afraid to be authentic about it. And, you know, I definitely have people in my own life who are very weary of anyone in an interracial relationship, understandably so. And so I think this conversation will be really helpful for people do do you all talk about this type of stuff at home frequently like is this you know I think people imagine or at least I'll, I'll make it myself sometimes I imagine there's a black person and a white person and the world is a very complex racial space so every single day they're having conversations about race and what it means to be black or white or Latina or insert whatever your race is. is. Is that like an everyday occurrence for you? Or is it something that just isn't an issue until it is? There aren't so many issues, but we do talk about it a lot because it's just interesting. And I think, uh, again, like if you are going to endeavor to be in an interracial relationship that 
as a path towards health, you have to have curiosity, you know, about the other person's race and their culture. And so I, because this is one of the good parts about being in a relational relationship, because there's so many dynamics throughout the day where I get to insert my culture and say, Oh, like, Hey babe, like this is, this is what black people do. Like, this is like, so this is what we would do in this moment, you know? Um, and she would, you know, she'll laugh and be like, man, I, I, I had no idea. Like I've never done that before. Um, and so that the, there, there's a fun element there where I'm always getting to like be an ambassador for my race and my culture. Um, it, whether it's humor or food or a perspective, <laughs> Uh, and so that, that's fun. So I'm, it's, it's in a weird way. Um, you know, I'm always keenly aware of my blackness because I get to do that a lot. And it's, it's always welcomed with, um, it's always welcome. And then, you know, we usually laugh about it or have a conversation about it. I think where it may get challenging, uh, especially in these moments that we're witnessing over the last few months is, uh, you know, I think we've, we've heard or read about, you know, a, a white um, reaction to a black person who's so kind hearted and so compassionate, but it may sound something like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe like you deal with this. Like, Oh my, you have people following you. And, um, and it's like this surprise narrative. Like I just had no idea. Like I want to tell you how surprised I am that you, you, you've dealt with this. And so I think um, that that's a dynamic that, uh, it's challenging, not because um, it's in any way um, uh, misintended to be anything other than kindness, but sometimes I think for Black people, uh, especially when you're going through these moments, you want to be Black, meaning sometimes you have to laugh, and sometimes you just have to talk mess that has nothing to do with the social issues that are taking place, and sometimes you want to watch a dumb show and enjoy... Um, some key components of, of what, what being, being black is so special. You know, the slaves invented a form of music called the blues to cope. And so um, I think sometimes I don't always get to cope the way I want to. Um, so that, that, that can be a challenging element um, as we process our different, our different heritages. Um, but yeah, overall, overall, it can make for very interesting conversations. moment in your house where double part question because I want to be fair where you have felt unseen or not heard as a black man or if athlete has felt unseen or not heard as a white woman I think hmm, that's a really good question I will Huh. Well, the only story I know is an honest one, so I can tell you a recent one. Uh, there was, you know, <laughs> I work in a church, and it's a predominantly white church with a lot of kind, wonderful people. Um, but I say with that, there are also some people who are experiencing fear and frustration um, over the comments made, uh, you know, by certain pastors and leaders and so my pastor has been really really awesome on the race conversation and uh and so with that um a lot of people have 
been frustrated with the comments he's made. And so a conversation about race somehow led to, therefore, um, he's endorsing every single platform on the Black Lives Matter website, which are obviously, you know, conflated issues. You know, one is a statement, one is a, you know, a political platform. And so, um, so with that, uh, there was a situation where Athlete posted a picture of my son Harrison holding a Black Lives Matter sign. It was very sweet and cute. Uh, but some people took that as we are therefore endorsing the political platform of Black Lives Matter and we want their children to pick which gender they are. Um, so Athlete got a lot of flack for that. And I remember that day we came home and she was just, she was very upset and very flustered that she was getting um, flack. And she, she, and I do mean she was very upset. Um, and, and we spent a lot of time talking about it. And this was, it was probably like a week after Ahmaud Arbery and um, very closely linked in with the, the, the murder of George Floyd. And, and so I think there was a moment in our conversation where I looked at her and I said, babe, like, I don't know if we need to be talking about anything else other than like how I feel right now. And I could see her face change and just kind of look at me and say, yeah, like, I'm sorry. Like, how are you feeling? You know? Um, and I think, you know, black people habitually, know how to put their emotions on the shelf to be present for other people because it's just what we've been taught. Uh, but that was a moment um, where I, I did feel that way. I think where I can make mistakes sometimes in my marriage is to assume that just because that, that because I'm black means I'm right. Um, and so therefore like I have a moral high ground on every issue because I'm black. Um, and so I can, I can sometimes fl flippantly say we, we both do it, but I don't, I don't like it when I do it. And sometimes we can flippantly put down white culture or put down whiteness, um, out of, you know, passive aggression or just anger or humor. And so I'm sure there, there's times where I've done that and it's hurt her feelings, and it's something that I try to be aware of, but it's something that I do um, drop the ball on a lot. Thank you for sharing that so vulnerably. I know it can, it's not always easy to be like, not just this is what I think, but this is what's going on with me. And your point about feeling like because you're black, you're right. I a hundred percent can relate to that because I find myself especially in conversations about race and I do want to preface it with saying a lot of the times when I am frustrated it's rightfully so because there are white people that have never lived the black experience that have very much tried to tell me what it's like to live as a black person but because I, I've had those experiences so often sometimes I do come to the conversation not just with the mindset of I'm the teacher in this situation and you're the student, because we should always be a student of other people's stories and we're trying to learn experiences. And if you're a white person trying to learn from a black person, you are the student in that in that moment. 
But even in the student-teacher relationship, sometimes the teacher is wrong and the student is right. And, you know, accepting that as a possibility when we have these hard conversations with white people who, you know, we love, especially when it's white people we love. Actually, I have a chapter in my book called Black People and the White People We Love because we it's a little different, right? It's different to talk about whiteness as you know, a theory or a concept or to talk about white privilege. But when we're talking about a person we love that happens to be white, uh, the stakes are much higher. You know, the conversations get a little bit harder. And it is important for us to remember that just because people are born a certain skin color doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, every white person is going to say something insensitive or be wrong in their assumptions or any of that and not placating white people like listen you're white you have nothing to add to the conversation because i think we all have perspective to bring to the conversation so you know even just this idea that talking to people or interacting with people who are white that that we love can be very different when it comes to things like saying the n word or like you know there are certain things we've decided as black culture like you know you don't touch black hair you don't do all these things um do you do you all kind of ascribe to that or you know because i i mean i'll be honest i have i have a white friend who says the n word sometimes who i love very much who grew up around all black people and i know how they're saying it when they say it and I sometimes let her say it. I know that's a bad black person. Like we're not supposed to do that as black people, but I've never, like she listens to black music where they say the word and it might come out of her mouth. Am I saying that white people should say the word? No, absolutely not. But in the context of relationship and out of love, it doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, do you find, you know, being married to a white person that some things where we wouldn't let other white people get away with you feel like in the context of your marriage, you kind of let it go? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, absolutely. And I think uh, there, because you have to, or else if you're always having like, you know, these not touch it areas, like it's going to be really hard to be in a relationship with someone. Um, there are boundaries and lines. I mean, my sister and I, you know, will use use words differently than athlete would feel comfortable using them you know um like for example you know my sister and i sometimes will will <laughs> we'll call each other the n-word you know but if you know us you get the humor um but athlete won't do that you know she won't touch it and so there's some boundaries there um that she respects that i, that I greatly appreciate um sometimes um you know she'll make fun of me uh, in, in other ways around where, where I greatly appreciate it because she's not afraid to, to, to call it out and we can have, you know, a, a playful laughing moment in the same way. Um, I remember it was like our first Thanksgiving and everyone's coming over. And so Athlete was super nervous and she brought over, um, what was it? Uh, it was like pumpkin bread. And my family's like, what the heck is pumpkin? You know what I mean? And so, we're able to laugh about that stuff. Um, and I think it's it's so healthy uh, to laugh about that stuff. I, you know, grew up in very white spaces, so I'm very familiar with all things pumpkin. But in my own family, in 31 years, never, ever has anyone in my Black family brought, bought or made anything like 
pumpkin pie or like pumpkin bread. It was just not a part of the culture. No, not I mean, and and the the, the messed up part was it was really good. Ugh, I love that. And I, you know, I actually love pumpkin now. I, I, it might be like a basic white girl thing, but I'm like, does it have to be not? I love sweet potato too, but there's some good pumpkin pie out in the world. It was, and um, yeah, that was probably the funniest part was that everybody ate it all up. Um, I want to touch on too, the fact that you have this new beautiful bundle of joy in your life uh who is just the most precious chubbiest cutest little child ever when it comes to you know him growing up thinking about talking about race do you uh, is it your intention to raise him as being a black man or do you think you'll you know raise him as reminding him you're a mixed man and he is very light he's light bright he is. yeah he is and that uh, it's it's funny because it's it's kind of going day by day uh and how we have these conversations because i had prepped athlete I, for some reason she had it in her head like oh he's gonna be you know he'll be considerably dark you know and i was i just kept telling her i said i don't know i've known a lot of mixed you know, couples and they have babies. And sometimes the baby can be, you know, very dark and sometimes the baby's very light. It just, you just have no idea. And so my son came out very light um, and he kind of has red hair. And I'm like, I don't know like how or why, like what's happening. Um, so these conversations are changing day by day because had he come out much darker, it's like, well, obviously you are viewed and seen as a black man in America and here we're gonna to have to act accordingly um now just for the sheer um uh the phenotype of what he looks like uh the conversations will look different i mean he he will have no choice but to be defined and communicated to as a mixed baby um as a mixed child but it'll i don't know it'll it'll be an interesting dynamic for me to um communicate to him any other way than if he was a, a black, a black son, um, being the fact that I'm black. And so, uh, that'll be an interesting dynamic. I've been wondering like, how are the kids going to respond to him at school? Cause he, he will have black features, but they're not going to know what to do with him. So it'll be an interesting road. And I think it'll be a lot of crossing the bridges as they come. That makes sense. Uh, when you look at him, do you see yourself in him? I do. Um, he, well, his face right now looks exactly like mine. Um, and what's interesting is that because he, he is chubby and, and fat right now, but whenever he his face loses weight, they're like, oh, I can see he's starting to look more and more like athlete. I'm like, wait, what are you trying to say? Um, so he, <laughs> yeah, so he, I do see myself in him. Um, I had this, this, uh, well, I had a dream about him before he was born and I wanted to give him a name that kind of like connoted like the ocean and gray and, um, this, like this strength under the surface. And I realized like those were all my characteristics. And then I had this dream of like these, these like orange scales, just like 
falling off of his eyes and bright red lights coming through. And I just felt like it was like God telling me like, no, this kid's like all fire. Um, and he's just, he's just full of so much deep, deep, deep passion. And that is his personality. And so he, that, that's just a mixture of his mom and I. And so um, I see him, but I also see athlete quite a bit. I think that's probably like one of the reasons that I would be excited to have a child biologically. Like I, I would love to raise a child in the future and I'm very open to adoption. Um, but you know, I, I've never felt like it had to be biologically, but I think it's probably for you, like so cool to watch just culminations of your love, like little pieces of you and little pieces of her culminate in like this whole new human being. It is. It's it's a lot of fun. And I heard my Angelou once tell someone about turning 80. She's like, yeah, do it. Do it if you can. And so I would say the same thing about uh, having children. It's like, man, do it if you can. It is it's a beautiful experience. It's just a lot of fun. I mean, there's really not an, uh, another word for it other than it's fun. It's fun. I get to have my son with me all the time. We get to go places and I get to show him things like the rain, like, look, it's raining for the first day. I mean, it's amazing. Imagine showing someone the rain for the, for the first time. And, and so I get to do that stuff with them all day long. And uh, it's just a great, great joy. And then it's a wonderful responsibility to know that, now I'm, I get to make investments in someone else's life. Like this is huge. Like I get to choose um, if I want to set him up to win in certain areas. Um, you know, as a parent, you can, you can make the, you can make the opposite choice of no, nah, I'm, I'm going to think about myself and I'm going to treat athlete like crap and I'll get around to him when I feel like it. Or you can say, well, I could invest in his life and, he could not have to go through some of the struggles and battles that I went through and he could go out and have just a really, really beautiful, productive, um, meaningful time on this earth. And so I'm, I'm just so happy that I get to participate in that with him. That's such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful thing. And I want to know too, on the other side of, you know, the beauty, do you feel like adding a child to the mix uh, do you feel like it caused additional strain on the marriage in addition to, you know, just marriage being hard as is outside of being interracial? Thanks. Thanks, Kara. And I'm so grateful that you're asking me all these questions because one, it's just such a generous gift and you're so eloquent at these questions. And I hope I get to return the blessing one day by asking you questions. Um, but, you know, for us, it was actually just what we needed. Um, Athlete and I are so independent. Um, you know, say, well, what does that word mean? Like, we get married and she takes off to Kenya for six weeks, and I'm doing a film project and I'm changing. I mean, we're just, we're so all over the place to where we're living on, you know, takeout food and five minute, like, how, how's your day going meetings. So when Harrison came into the mix, I mean, it forced us to learn how to be in the house and it's what I really wanted just like I wanted to have more meals in the backyard and um, have more breakfasts together and walks together and and so Harrison really allowed Athena to slow down in the best of ways um, 
And so he actually kind of had the opposite of stress. He kind of de-stressed our lives. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, this was such a great conversation. Um, and I'm just so thankful you were willing to be honest and get on the podcast and have these vulnerable conversations. It was such a joy. I only hope that we can do it again soon. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening. That concludes another episode of Sworn Testimonies, the podcast where I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I actually created a card game I'd love for you guys to check out. They are the ultimate icebreaker getting to know you cards. You can find them on my website at www.likeyoucards.com. See you next week. Just be honest, 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 just be